Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. I am continuing my time at the Portland, Maine recruiter's office, talking to all the amazing people that work here. And this is the episode that we're going to nail a question that a lot of you have been asking for for months now on end. I finally found a reservist to have on the podcast and have a discussion with. So today we're going to talk all about the reserves, how it works with the civilian career, and what reservists do in the Coast Guard and how it kind of works to be a reservist. Now keep in mind, this is one experience. Different reservist units might have different ways of doing it, but we're given a perspective of our reservists that we have with us. So he's here to currently introduce himself. Hi, I'm uh, Senior Chief Thompson. I'm a reservist uh, MST in Sector Northern New England. So Senior Chief, how did you get started with finding the Coast Guard? When did you decide to join it and what made you decide to join it? So I joined the Army back in 1989. I was on active duty, and after I ETSed, I floated around a little bit. I joined the fire department in Portland, and I started to really miss the the military connection, especially with 9-11 and being in the fire department during that time period and and all the things ramping up. And the more I thought about it, the more I kind of felt that pull to come back in, uh, talk to my wife about it. She wasn't too excited about me. Uh, rejoining the army as we're trying to start a family and we started looking at other options and I had a friend in the fire department who was in the Coast Guard and actually got activated during 9-11 to do patrols in the bay and talked about his experience about doing the uh, port security stuff and it seemed really interesting to me it seemed like a way that maybe the reserve thing was a way that I could still be connected but yet uh, stay home uh, be able to have that family life that I was looking for. So then to play off of that and ask you the question, then Coast Guard was the only one you even considered joining because of your family circumstances? Well, one of the one of the things that's different about the Coast Guard Reserve compared to the other reserves is if you join, for example, in a, an Army Reserve unit, the Army Reserve unit or a Guard unit, they all drill together as a, as a group. The Coast Guard has those, we do have drill weekends, but because the Coast Guard actually has a regular job where they're out doing the work every day, I was able to have that flexibility where I could come in and, and drill during the week and not take time off from work uh, to be able to meet my requirements as a reservist. That and was a huge advantage. You're a reservist in Portland, Maine. Correct. So you don't have to travel that far for your reserve commitment. I actually work, so I work 24-hour shifts in the fire department, and a lot of times I'd get off of work, which is at Central Station, and, and essentially walk to uh, my reserve unit and immediately start drilling. Wow, that close. Do they try to keep reservist units close to where your actual job is that you do as a civilian? Well, they try to keep you from having to commute great distances when you're a reservist. Okay. So when one another thing that's kind of different is when you get hired as a reservist, you have to get hired into a slot. They've got to have a spot for you. So, you know, if you're active duty, you, you want to be a DC or, or an MST, you go to A school and then the service ships you wherever the vacancy is. But as a reservist, they say, okay, well, if you want to drill at this unit, here are the spots that are open. Do you want one of those jobs? Or if you want a job somewhere else, they'll let you know, like, well, if you take that job, you're going to be commuting hours away. Is that something that you're interested in doing? So uh, for me, they had a, the job offers, opportunities that were available to me at the time were being a DC or an MST at in Portland, Maine. And I thought, well, that's really uh, something that I was able to do without, uh, without a lot of travel and it worked well for me. Also, because I wanted to get qualified in, in something, I want to get qualified in Port State was one of the big ones as an MST, and that's almost impossible for a reservist doing weekend drills because you need to mm-hmm. be able to be 
where the inspections are, when the inspections are happening, and have that repetition. So for the first eight years I was in the reserves, I didn't really do any drill weekends. I just came in every week. I looked at the board to see when the inspections were uh, scheduled, and then I made those inspections. I was able to get my Port State qual. Uh, was the first qual that I got, and then I was able to be used. I was a functional part of the team. So when they did an inspection, I would take a section of the ship and, and do that, and they trusted me to do it. Um, they knew who I was because I was in the office every week. Well, do you think that a lot of units would accommodate for that based on the reservist schedule? Because I know a lot of people are interested in the reserves, hoping to accommodate around their normal work-life schedule. I talked to other reservists, and I haven't heard of anybody having problems with the flexible schedule. I know a lot of uh, reservists, you know, we're, we're in a, a seafaring business, so we have a lot of uh, merchant mariners that mm-hmm. are reservists, and merchant mariners work uh, different schedules, like two months on, two months off. So those guys are not catching reserve weekends. They're drilling when they come back. Got a lot of guys that um, batch drills, um, which means do a bunch of days all at once to catch up for months that they've had to miss. So as far as I know, everybody's really flexible. I can't guarantee that. I can't speak for the other units, but from what I've heard from other reservists at these schools and stuff, is they haven't had any issues. And side note question, are you from Maine originally as I well? Am. I figure most Mainers like to come back to Maine. We like to stay in Maine, it seems. <laughs> it's the place to be. We have a great state. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> you should all stay away. <laughs> That's coming from the Mainers, you know. <laughs> so anyways, getting back into the discussion, sure. uh, you've been around the Portland area a long time at this unit. So would you actually say because in active duty, you get orders to a new unit every couple of years? Sure. So where does that fall into? Because you're the reservist that's been at sector northern New England for all these years. Is that stability help the unit in certain ways that you could potentially be the only qualified person in some cases? Well, I wouldn't say it's so much as about being the only qualified person because obviously the Coast Guard transfers qualified people around. But for me, one of the big things for me is I, you know, I make decent money in the fire department. I'm a captain in the fire department. I'm a paramedic. I'm a hazmat technician. So it's not for the money. It's just for having that value and for having that connection. So for me, it was important to figure out what can I bring to the table here to make this worth my time for showing up and make sure that I feel like I'm contributing something. And so in the city of Portland, as with all of that, stuff that I do with the fire department and my connections. I was also uh, president of the union for six years, which gave me a lot of political connections mm-hmm. with everybody. So basically I know everybody, like all the people at the city and the other cities and all the fire departments and work with police officers. I'm stationed with a police officer over on uh, Peaks Island. So I have a lot of connections to a lot of people. So as the Coast Guard wants to accomplish things in the area and they say, hey, we need to, we want to do training with the fireboat, they call me. And I liaison that training I, I have the right people that you know who's the harbor master and Falmouth so I make a call and get them on the line and connect those people so that's kind of I found that little niche of being able to connect the active duty coast guard as they rotate in with all of the key people in the community to facilitate training or share resources so you think it was pretty cool to see those careers grow together as well absolutely both sides, yeah the huge uh, benefit going in both directions I've taken a lot of the Coast Guard information that I learned in my MSTA school and, and doing that job, reading the regulations, I brought all that stuff back and helped bring our hazmat team into compliance with federal law. I did uh, a lot of work in the union office has to do with labor law, which is being able to read it and navigate those books has been mm-hmm. a tremendous benefit uh, to me and, and to the people that I've helped with it. Now, as a reservist, you still have to fully go to boot camp, right, and do the full A school, but it's a little bit of a different than being active duty. So could you walk me through that process? 
Yeah, so as far as boot camp goes, it kind of depends on who you are and what you're coming from. So if you're prior service or if you've already gone through a structured academy like a police officer, they have a thing called Depot, which is a three-week really consolidated boot camp to kind of teach you the ropes. And so I was able to go through that based on being in the Army. Mm-hmm. But as far as A school goes, I go to the same A school. In fact, nobody in my class knew I was a reservist. I never actually brought it up. I used to say I was active duty with really good hours. I just went to the same A school as everybody else, and I was actually one of the class leaders. And at graduation, when they were talking about who was who, they were like, you're a reservist. So yeah, same information, same same school, and same group of friends. Were you the class MAA? I was, actually. <laughs> it was a good job to have. It was all right. Kind of nice not to have duty while you're at A school either. If you're a class leader at A school, you don't stand duty. That's a good point. Although, yeah, there was plenty to do with the class leader stuff, but... Well, what I would get into with that then is that if I wanted to go to MSTA school like you did, I had to wait about a year and a half, two years is typical to wait for that A school. Sure. How long did you have to wait after boot camp to go to the A school as a reservist? Because like you said earlier, you're filling that job when you sign your contract. Right. So that is one advantage of, of being a reservist is you get a guaranteed A school. So... There's no slot for a, a seaman, uh, unrated reservist, right? So because of that, and because we're filling a spot that's open, we're going to go, they're going to figure out when the A school is, and then they're going to back up and figure out when you can go to boot camp based on that. So I went to boot camp, had a very short break, and then went to A school, and then went to my unit. That's pretty awesome that you didn't have to do that weight. But what I would ask now then is if someone's trying to be clever here and crafty and say, well, why don't I just switch to active after I go through a school? That's not easy to do in a rate like MST necessarily. Oh, to go active duty after being a reservist, you mean? Right. Like it's say you want to go reservist to jump the a school line and then switch to active. That's probably not the best way to go about it. I mean, you're, you're also looking at, you know, your total career here as far as for example, retirement, like, so you're going to have a block of time that's not really counting towards your 20 years as far as good time for an active duty retirement. You know, something could happen to you in that reserve period of time where, you, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be able to get on active duty. You're not going to have the same experience. If you're going to look at this as a full-time career and this is what you're going to do for life, having that time as a non-rate or having that time between these things, and there's a lot to be said for that experience and what that does to build you up as a somebody in the military. I know for me, I had the, the army time, so that helped me a lot and helped me navigate the system and, and be part of the group. But I think it'd be really difficult for you to, to try to be, just pop onto active duty as a petty officer. I think it's right. a little rough. I mean, we do have critically short rates that of course people can apply for and, and go that route. If somebody just doesn't want to be a, a non-rate, you know, they could come in for a guaranteed school like a CS for two years and then go to the top of the the next A school that they want after that contract. That is a way to get through the system, I suppose. But I wouldn't uh, try to avoid it. Some of the things that people think are the least desirable are where the best stories come from. Yeah, I'll admit that too. As I keep saying on here is that I got a full paid for apartment in Newport, Rhode Island, which I don't think I could have afforded with all my Coast Guard paycheck if they made me pay for the apartment itself. Oh, sure. So it's kind of nice they provide the housing. Now, that brings me to my next question because we get a full basic housing allowance, we get full medical coverage on active duty, and we get a full BAS food budget on active duty as well. 
what perks and benefits of those do you get as a reservist? So I have access to TRICARE Reserve, which is different than the active duty TRICARE in that I have to pay for it. But I only pay, I don't know exactly, but I'm going to say $200 a month. It's plus or minus 20 bucks, I think, for my whole family. As opposed to for the city, I was paying $180 a week. So that's a substantial savings over the course of a year. I was worried. For, I didn't use it at first. I didn't use it for quite a while because my doctor was not in network. But what I found out was that just meant my copay went up to $20 instead of $10 or whatever it was. It was a, a, a negligible difference. So once I figured that out, I switched over, and, and uh, I love it. I love the TRICARE. As far as the BAH, we get a modified BAH when we're on our two-week annual training because that's essentially being on active duty for two weeks. But if you go on orders, like I'm on orders now doing the six-month contract, uh, Title 10, then I get full BAH and BAS here. So then you're essentially acting like active duty when you're on active duty orders. Yes, I'm a reservist on active duty. I get all, all of the same benefits. My TRICARE is now covered. So I came off of, as soon as I got the orders, as soon as the orders started, I came off of the TRICARE reserve orders that I was paying for, and I'm instantly in normal TRICARE for the whole family. And in addition to that, when you when I get off of these orders, I'll have something called TAMP, which is, uh, and I forget exactly what it stands for, but temporary something, military something. Uh, but basically, it's, it's TRICARE for six more months, and it's to help people coming off of active duty orders get into society and not have this giant gap in coverage. So it gives you six months to find health care. So for me, it's I do a six-month contract, and that's a year of free health care for me. How does that work then, essentially, too, with uh, your normal job in the fire department? You're on active duty orders here, so what happens to your civilian job while you're on these active duty orders? Does that just get put on hold? Yeah, so we have uh, federal protections for military service. Uh, I believe it's uh, five years that you can be gone from your job and they're required to hold it. Uh, You know, there's some stuff in there, but for the most part, that's the rule. So... I can take this time off for the six months. I'll take this leave from work. They're required to hold my position. I'm a, like I said, I'm a fire captain in, in Portland, and uh, when I get done with these orders, I'll I can take a little additional time off from work as part of like a break to reacclimate. Not that that's as necessary here as it would be coming back from Iraq or something, but mm-hmm. uh, but they but the law has that time built in for you to to get yourself reorganized and get ready to reintegrate, and then um, I'll come just come back to work. I'll and notify them. While you're on active duty, you get the same amount of leave too, 2.5 days a month? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm essentially active duty right now. So how do you use your leave as a reservist? So let's say you come off active duty orders. Do you still get that leave to use and maybe you can use it on a drill weekend or something? No. It's just like if you were to do a four-year contract, you either take your leave while you're in or you take terminal leave okay. or you pay it out. So for me, I'm going to take three days next week. Next week or the week after, I'm going to go to D.C. with my family for a few days. Uh, and um, I'm actually going to use my Hilton points that I got from staying at the Hilton on my last deployment down to uh, with the refugee camp there. So uh, I went to 90 days down at uh, Blackstone, Virginia at Fort Pickett. And they put me up at the Hilton, and I got Hilton points, and I'm going to use those to get a room down at, in D.C. What kind of deployments have you had as a reservist MST throughout your career as a firefighter as well? Well, the big ones would be I did, did uh, Deepwater Horizon, so um, cleaned up, I want to say, 300,000 gallons of oil we did, uh, skimmed with the uh, vessel opportunity. And, uh, that was a big one, and I did the, the refugee camp at Blackstone, Virginia, and um, 
now I'm doing this thing here with uh, the recruiting group. I've been activated for uh, a couple of hurricanes. Um, every time I got activated for that, they actually got canceled last minute. I've been I've had plane tickets a couple times where it didn't actually pan out. I've tried for a couple of jobs because there's a huge shopping list of reservist opportunities. Like once you get into the system and once you start getting qualified on stuff, you can look up indirect access and go, what what is available for me for short-term contracts? And now, especially as I'm getting near the end of my career, it's really of interest to me to try to pack in as much as I can before I get out and try to grab those because these are where the experiences are doing these little jobs and uh, it's the most fun. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, going down to the the refugee camp thing was just an amazing life experience something that nobody gets to do and uh, you know I'll always have that in my head as something that I was part of so I'm going to start looking for what other things I can do I took this job here in the recruiting office because I just want to share my enthusiasm for what's now 27 years of service in the military between active duty and reserve time and um, and just tell people of all the great things that I've got out of it and the lessons I've learned over time well, I just I think it's incredible that you can combine the two fields with it and you have that flexibility because of the federal protections, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Is sure. that federal protection for all jobs now too? Or specifically your job had those federal protections? Everybody should have that federal protection apply to their job. I mean, obviously smaller businesses have more trouble having people go or whatever, but uh, but yeah, no, we have we have that protection. That's really nice to hear that everyone's supporting the missions that we need them on. For sure. Because they'd be able to have you come on active duty orders. That, uh, that also makes me curious. So were all of the orders that you took on active duty voluntary or were any of them you were called up and you Kind of unexpectedly? Mixed, I think, like uh, there was the Southwest border incident happening at the same time they had the Afghans coming over. So it was kind of like everybody's going somewhere. So the sooner you figure out where it is you want to go and raise your hand and say, could I please have those orders? Then that will put you out of the running for the other orders that you may not care to go to. Most of the orders that are out there for anything exciting are things that you're almost in competition for because there are a lot of people that want them. Reservists and active, you're just talking just reservists? Uh, Reservists, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay, so going from there then, when you end up leaving A school, you came back to Portland, Maine. You're in the fire department. And what are you doing as like a normal Coast Guard work shift on those duty days? You said you didn't do the weekends because your schedule was better to do it during the week, do your active drill during the week. Yeah, so I do. Well, I do a lot more. I started doing a lot more weekends after um, after a while because the because I was getting qualified and stuff. And because as I moved up in rank, there were uh, there started to be some new younger reservists that were at the unit that didn't really have any leadership there that was helping them advance and uh, so they asked me to come in on the weekends and be a, the training officer of the LPO and I was kind of reluctant at first because when I first got there it was basically all it was a bunch of warrant officers there really wasn't any any enlisted group but when I went back I, I there was some enlisted guys there and they were all there for the same reason that I was was to to have some experiences and to give something back and they were all looking for something you know, more than what they were getting at the time so it was uh, it was much better and um, and I made friends with all those guys and we put up a training plan and everybody got qualified in, in all their sections we all are wearing our M pins now which means that we have four qualifications under the MST rate which gives us a, a special um, badge to put on your mm. uniform 
Yeah, so what I would ask then with that question is, you have alluded this earlier with the port state, that it takes quite a while to get qualified being a reservist because you're not doing as many jobs or repetitions sure. as an active duty person. Do you think that would hold true for a lot of the rates and their respective qualifications that, let's say, for instance, you want to be a bosun mate, it's going to probably take longer as a reservist? or So... I think, you know, basically the hours are probably going to be at least the same, maybe even a little more because you got breaks in between them. So the question is, how do you use your hours? And, you know, one thing about this, the Coast Guard environment and the reserves in particular, I think, is there's not a lot of people that are really driving you like you have to do this now. And I need you here for the most part. I'm sure there's some some groups that I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but that's in my experience. A lot of this stuff, to some degree, is self-driven. So. If you if you take some initiative and you say I really want to get this qual this boat qual then you, you need to work on it you need to say okay we're going to come in this drill weekend who do I know on active duty that is somebody who likes to work with reservists who wants to have you know make that connection and you can always find somebody if you if you do a little bit of work and you, and you make that connection and once you do these guys we've had some incredible people on active duty come over to the weekend drills and. Uh, give a class we say this is this is what we want you know you can't just say show up on the weekend we're going to drill you have to say we're working on this qualification mm-hmm. we need this block of training is there somebody in this group that can come in on the weekend and and, and give us a, a block of instruction on this stuff and we've had really good luck with that since we uh, you know since we look for it and while you're on these active duty orders do you still ever go over and do your mst work at the sector or no because you're full-time doing this right now so i can't do drills while i'm on active duty because i can't get paid in two directions Um, but that being said i'm we're going to do some stuff with uh, the chiefs group is going to get together for uh, to help some of the other chiefs that are going through a process called ccti and and um, i'm going to show up for that to support the group But, but as far as doing like the regular drills i can't really do both at the same time and what is ccti uh it's a kind of a secret underground organization of uh, chiefs that uh, makes the place run it's uh it's kind of hard to describe but it's like the masons but inside the military oh okay and then we call the chief's call to initiation uh full term but does every chief go through this uh every real chief goes through it (laughs) all right just keep that in mind when you make chief that doesn't matter whether you're active or reservist you go through ccti yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I actually took uh, four weeks of vacation from my job in in the fire department to go to all the CCTI events because it's invaluable. You, uh, it's all about networking with the other chiefs, and it just forces you to introduce yourself to people and talk with people and and make those connections and realize uh, what the chiefs do and what they bring to the table and how we work together. It's it was uh, an exceptional team building exercise, and the whole construct is is very valuable to the coast guard and and i've learned a lot from it i actually took some of the things that i learned from that and brought them back to the fire department and try to implement them as far as uh, some of the organization stuff and some of the the other things i still i'm still hung up on that this is the coolest thing that you can just integrate the two lifestyles together and that's a really cool beneficial aspect to having the reservists in our community there's a a large portion of the reservists are firefighters and police officers just by the nature of our work and how it complements the Coast Guard mission. So we kind of bring that stuff back and forth. One of my uh, friends is the major at the Portland PD, and he just joined uh, a couple years back, and he's a ME1 over at Sector. 
And he actually wrote a little bio while I was here because I called him up and said, you know, basically everybody knows who this guy is because he's one of the top cops in the state of Maine and somebody who's very popular in the police community. And so I had him write kind of a bio of what his process was to come into the Coast Guard and why, at, especially at his rank in the police department, why he would take time out to come and, and join the reserves. And he just wrote this really great thing about he's just always kind of regretted not giving that service and not having that connection. And he loves it. He's doing great at it. Um, he's worked on his team in the Coast Guard and made them stronger based on the fact that he's a, a very uh, experienced police officer with an, you know, a huge background in, in, in law enforcement. And also in the reserves, he's taken advantage of federal classes and brought the, that federal edge back to his local department. And of course, you make those networking connections with other federal agencies. We've got people from ICE, we've got corrections people, we've got share, uh, deputies, we've got people from all walks of life in, in that bubble, and it brings them all together in that Coast Guard Reserve Unit. And uh, that's a very powerful networking spot. Yeah, I can imagine so, especially if you're thinking about getting out of the Coast Guard and want to join another federal agency, potentially. Sure. You have all these connections right here. Or if you just have something that's, you know, that's kind of getting a little bigger than your jurisdiction and you've got a question about, you know, how does this work? You know, well, we got a customs issue. Well, geez, I drill with a guy from customs. Let me give him a call and see how this thing rolls together. And it's just an easy way to connect, kind of like the CCTI. You have these connections now that you can use when you have a problem. Well, do you uh, also, as a reservist, get access to the TSP or thrift savings plan? Yes, I, I do the TSP, um, and you you know people, some people put their whole drill pay into it. So, um, you know, for me, I I have a similar thing at work, so I wasn't using that a lot. But now that I'm doing this active duty tour, I'm putting a, a good chunk into that TSP. What about uh, tuition assistance? You can use the tuition assistance as well, and some people have used the the tuition assistance. You get the full amount of tuition assistance? I believe so. I haven't actually gone through that. I had the Montgomery GI Bill, which I took advantage of, but I have not used the, the tuition assistance thing. I did do the post-9-11 GI Bill, which I've transferred to my son there, so his college is getting uh, paid for. Wow. That's really good taking advantage. Oh, I've got, yeah, pretty much every benefit there is to, to <laughs> grab out of this place I've, I've kind of tried to grab. I could do a whole episode just benefits of the Coast Guard, the unknown. <laughs> AFV Club, that's another big one. Which one? AFV, Armed Forces Vacation Club. You can get, they take the unused timeshares and they give them to this AFV Club thing. And I think now it's, it used to be two ninety nine, but I think it's four oh nine right now. And there are no extra fees. It's like, it is four oh nine. You get an entire week in a condo and they're all over the world. But I went down to uh, Virginia to go to uh, Bush Gardens. We stayed there for a week. At the time, I think it was two ninety nine, And that's what we paid. We got an eight person condo with a full kitchenette. It was awesome parking pool. You also get those uh, really cheap flights. You go to Germany for really dirt cheap if you get on one of those military flights. Oh, too, the hops. I've always wanted to do that. I've never quite dared because I'm always afraid of like not being able to get back. <laughs> yeah, with the priority boarding for uh, uh, those flights home. Well, priority boarding is one thing, but getting on the actual hop, trying to time that with a military aircraft. I guess there's lists on the Air Force bases and... It should be something to be able to pull apart. But, yeah, I've never actually made a hop. I have had friends do it, and they said that they don't even like to try, travel commercial anymore because if you're on the C-130 or whatever, you just get up, put a bedroll on the floor, and take a nap. Walk around, nobody cares. Wow. That's what I've heard. I've never done I didn't it, even know that either. <laughs> sounds pretty cool. Sleep on top of gear or whatever. So I'd like to ask this too then because being in the reservist component of the Coast Guard, you're in the Coast Guard, of course, is yes. that if you want to travel overseas – 
do you still need to go through the overseas screening process that active duty members have to if they want to take a vacation overseas? No. Really? I don't. No, wow. that was a surprise. Been, yeah, I've, I've gone to, uh, I've, well, before all this happened, I've, I've been to Russia a few times, and I did go in and talk to the security officer about it, but they said I didn't need to uh, put that in. So I imagine if you probably, if you held certain clearances, they might have a different conversation, but for me, they didn't need it. That's pretty awesome, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that it's really a big deal either way. I mean, it just you're just getting a security briefing and, and letting you know, you know, to be careful of certain things, but it wasn't a concern for my travel, so I didn't have to do it. Would you like to highlight anything else about differences between reserve and active that I haven't asked yet? I guess I would just say that, you know, your reserve career is, is what you make out of it. Uh, you can, you know, like any job, you you could you could sit back and sham and do the minimum and you'll not have a very good reserve experience and you'll think that this is a complete waste of time and it will have been because you didn't take advantage of what's out there. If you do that little bit of effort and you connect with the active duty uh, component that's really in control of that area and you make that connection that you're not just there to drink coffee and tell war stories, you're actually there to participate, uh, you know, then you'll get a lot more out of the career. And the other thing I would say is that looking back on what have been called for, what, what they've actually needed from me, needed out of me, it hasn't been so much to be an MST as far as my use to the Coast Guard for activations. Uh, it's, it's to be, so I can, you know, at the oil spill, I did hazmat and oil cleanup. I mm. use my civilian expertise as a, as a hazmat technician and a fire captain to run a large crew and to deal with hazardous materials and, and properly package them. Uh, I think the initial active duty component was there for a couple weeks before they got cleared out because they're all back at their units doing the mission. They, they really can't be gone for, for three months. Whereas a reservist, we can go there and, and we can do that job. So our job is to prep to be deployable so that we can be quickly upstaff a serious incident and use those those skills for that stuff. And as far as doing our other Coast Guard job stuff while I'm back at the unit, I'm, I'm helping because of the connections I have and the networking and the stability of being in the unit all the time and the knowing all those people at the facilities over lots of years, um, just kind of being an addition to the group and, and helping out with that. Well, could you give us, too, a perspective on... Well, obviously, it's clear, cut, and dry. You do 20 years active military. You can retire with a pension. Sure. How does that whole system work as a reservist? So there's kind of two answers to that question because there's the legacy and then there's the blended retirement system. So I'm in the legacy system. So that, and it's probably not relevant to anybody listening to the podcast because you're not going to get into the legacy system, right? So, But that's all points-based, basically a year of active duty time is 365 points. For me, every day I work is two points. So... They add up all the points, and I get that much of a percentage of what it would, what you would get two years times 365 days, 20 years, yeah, whatever that math is. Uh, so whatever the points are, whatever that percentage is, you get that of your uh, retirement. But you also don't collect until you're age 60. And then for the blended retirement system, I really didn't quite understand it, but I knew the legacy thing was pretty good. And because I've been, I'm going to do 30 years, so I'll get all those extra points that I accrue over those 30 years, including the six months, will add up to my point total. And whatever that is divided by 365 times 20 will be my percentage of senior chief retirement that I'll get. Right, because how it works in active duty is you gain two percentage. Well, it was for the legacy, it was 2.5%, but for blended, it's 2% every year after 20. Right. 
So what you're saying though is if you get more points, that's how you can increase that size. Yeah, very similar to percentage. same same concept. It's just the more points you get, the more higher percentage you will get of your average three years or whatever it is they base that on your final pay. And taking these active duty contracts just helps rack up those points then towards absolutely yeah yeah okay so yeah. that's another benefit to taking all those active duty deployments is you gain more points to put in your piggy bank of points. And there's other little stuff too. So uh, not to make this more complicated, but everything that I do on active duty now also backs up my timeline for when I can retire. So let's say I could I could get out at age 60, but I do a year worth of active duty time um, with these reserve things. So now I'm, I'm getting out at 59. Mm. And the big change for that is while I'm a drilling reservist, I pay 200 bucks a month plus or minus for my whole family. After I stop drilling, I can still use the TRICARE. If I retire, I can still use the TRICARE, but it costs me $1,250 a month, which is a pretty big bump. Until you get to retirement age, and then it's $56 a month. That's the TRICARE for life. Uh, yes. So $56 a month is a lot different than 1250 a month, and I'll start collecting. So I do this six months. Now my retirement age is backed up six months, which means I get six months of chief pay retirement, and my health insurance is $1,200 less a month. So that's six months of that just from this knock here. And then I have the time from the refugee camp and the other things that are all going to bring that timeline back. So if I can just get my age to match that retirement date, I'll get out of here with my free health care and go right down to 56 bucks a month and live happily ever after. Retire from the fire department? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I got to retire from that as well. I'm actually doing that in a couple weeks. Oh, wow. So when you retire from the fire department, then you'll be kind of semi-retired already then, except when you're on the active orders. Right. I'll be retired, but on active duty. Okay. <laughs> I, got you. I got you. Sometimes it spins around the head, but... Oh, it spins around every day. Yeah, would, a lot to balance. <laughs> would you give any uh, last-minute tips, tricks, advice for someone thinking about joining the Coast Guard Reserves or the MST rate? Well, the MST rate is great if you have anything to do with anything uh, legal, any sort of... Um, have any interest in that stuff. I, I just I learned a lot about how to navigate the rules, how law works, how it how it uh, overlaps. There was a lot of stuff in the fire department that a lot of people were confused about as far as what rules apply to us, uh, what's the difference between a rule and a law and a code. So I love the MST thing. I think it's fascinating. Uh, my advice would be uh, if you have no military experience and you've never been into, you know, never done anything like that, I, I think it's a good idea to do a little active duty time first somewhere. Even if it's uh, not in the Coast Guard, you know, if you've come from another service or whatever, just to have that experience of, of being part of the group, uh, I think it helps a lot. And if you've been active duty and you're getting out, I think you're crazy not to go in the reserves. The time goes by so fast and, uh, you know, the, the real world has got all kinds of stuff to deal with, too. You know, a lot of times you get out of school and you're 18 years old and you go right into the military and you're like, wow, everything isn't, we didn't just all get unicorns and everything wasn't easy every day and I'm going to go out to the be a civilian and it's all going to be happiness and everybody's going to be nice to me all the time and that's just not life and I'm actually dealing with somebody right now that called in that uh, had joined as soon as he uh, got out of high school and did his four years and got out and he's been out since August and he's like I need back in he's like I had no idea that this is you know the work life so losing that time if you've been you know four years of back duty 16 years is going to go by like nothing your health insurance for life thing is I think tremendous value. The experience you have that you'll bring to the reserve unit to help those guys train up is going to be well received by the reservists. 
you just have all these opportunities to have these experiences because once you completely sever ties, there's, there's no getting that. You, know, you don't get to go inside those big oil tankers and walk around and do inspections and see how those things are put together. And you don't get to go to a refugee camp and help out 10,000 refugees and hear those stories. And, uh, you just you won't have those experiences in real life. People don't get to do this stuff. And even making all that impact, like you're saying, we still joke around as MSTs. I just asked my senior chief the other day. He said, uh, we asked him what he wants to do after the Coast Guard. He said, I don't know. I haven't thought about what I want to do for a real job after I get out of here. Right. So, no, it's just all one big game to us. And kind of just play it's, it around. Yeah, it's a job. It's, it's, it's the a camaraderie job. is awesome, though. It really is. I, the people, there are so many people that just really want to help. And there are people, you know, people are drawn to the military uh, for various reasons, but the majority of people that are drawn to the service are here to, to give something, to do something important, to feel the belonging thing. We all want to have that camaraderie. So you're surrounded by that type of person. And uh, that's one big thing I noticed. I did a, a couple of years ago, I did an Appalachian trail hike. We did the 100 mile wilderness and I put out invitations to all of my friends and I probably had 20 people that were absolutely going to go and then as we got closer to the date one at a time they all dropped off the list of well I actually have a thing I got to do and people realize like traveling you know walking 100 miles through the woods unsupported is is a lot Uh, the only people that stayed on the list were people that were active duty coast guard I had four people that came with me and we marched and we went the 100 miles but originally there were like 20 people on this list was that the 100 mile wilderness section yes oh really up by uh, Gulf Haggis indeed yeah, it was a great experience. But just the point is, like, this is the type of person you're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. It's the people that say, yeah, I want to walk 100 miles and through the woods. That sounds like a great idea. And then actually show up. Don't just say, like, oh, I almost joined the military, but I would have, you know, I would have punched a drill sergeant. Like, those people never show up for anything. They, they just always think that they would be great. You know, I would be a great special ops person, but I'd never make it through boot camp. Okay. The people that actually show up, that do this job, that, that really turn up for things, uh, turn up for other things in life. and they're, they're the ones that have showed up since day one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to miss this place like crazy when they kick me out. I'm going to be done at 30, and I don't know what I'm going to do without this connection. I know. it's. I think that's why you see a lot of older people join the auxiliary units locally. You don't find people area. that actually do stuff, that actually show up, that actually you know care and are there for you when you need help and, you know, I get, you know, I need a ride. Can someone pick me up? You know, just, there's always somebody that will help you out. We need this training stuff. I've never had a problem uh, going to the active duty group and saying, listen, we got this thing. We've got to get trained up for this. And there's always somebody to go, you know what? I'll come in on the weekend. I'll, I'll help you guys out. What do you need? Yeah, sure. Let's, let's do it. Let's take, you know, whatever. Guys, you know, we'll, we'll get you on the boat sometime. You know, just a uh, great group of people. Yeah, we all look out for each other. And there's always, like, some kind of work help that we all need in some way that all happen to, I don't want to say it's a compromise, but you find a way to make it work, I think is what I'm trying to say about it is. Yeah. That's just sure. cutter life in general. You find a way to make it work. Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much, Senior Chief, for coming on today. Thanks for having and me. And enlightening our viewers on all the great benefits of the Coast Guard and the reserves, if you're interested in the reserves. Well, they can call our main number here for the uh, recruiting office and talk directly to me if they have more questions. And I'd love to help them uh, find some of these adventures on their own. Yes, we're in the Portland, Maine recruiting office, so they'd be glad to help you out. Best staff out there. (laughs) Throw that number on the website there. They'll be good to go. All right. Well, thank you again, Senior Chief, and it was a pleasure having you. Thanks. uh, Viewers, have a great day. We uh, appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we hope you'll be here for the next episode. Thank you.